0: Hello and welcome to this week's Thursday Top 5. I'm Paige. And I'm Anna. We're so excited to share this week's news with you, but before we get started, we have a few new updates to share.
1: First off, we have an update in regards to our Instagram account. For those of you who have not already been made aware of, we're so excited to announce that last November we got a new Instagram account that we have been growing on the side and now
0: are ready to share with you. Our old account will now be inactive, so be sure to re-follow us at curatedchatter, so it's the same username but a different account count and as always all things are information about new episodes so stay tuned for that yes
1: also this week Paige made a cute little meme that was really funny my opinion so definitely follow us you can see more of her original content going to
0: be honest I have never been more proud of myself
1: <laughs> yeah it was a great moment and it is very funny
0: more so. memes to come yes maybe <laughs> Next up, we want to give a quick clarification about our YCC tour that we discussed on this week's Monday Chatter Check-In. We realized that we forgot to mention how COVID safe the event actually was. Everyone attending had to sign up in advance for time slots. So we only toured the gallery in a group of four and everyone had a mask on the whole time. Everyone was very distant. There was Purell everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, it was um, very COVID safe and
1: also it was so exciting because it was almost like a sneak peek into what events will be like the next few months as a vaccine is rolled out and we're able to start meeting again in person as opposed to the zoom sessions that we have become so accustomed to and that we have previously discussed on the
0: podcast yeah it was very much like a middle ground yeah. between previous events and these zooms yeah i agree it was great <laughs> so i think we're ready right mm-hmm. our first headline of the week comes to us from conde Nast traveler where it was reported that quote traveling through new york's penn station just got a lot more glamorous so to give a little bit of background information the daniel patrick Moynihan train hall is an expansion of new york's pennsylvania station into the adjacent james a farley building which previously served as the city's main post office so after more than two decades of planning and construction which is so crazy it's like our whole lives (laughs) yes (laughs) the very anticipated hall opened on new year's day and has become the hottest destination in the city.
1: Yes, and also from a practical standpoint, this was long overdue because the original Penn Station that was demolished in 1965, the passenger hall and waiting area were moved underground to a space that was built to accommodate 200,000 people, but in recent years, the average number of daily pa- passengers has tripled to 600,000. So, Which is wild yeah. that
0: that many people are Exa- using it's, it.
1: It's over half a million people every day. I never would have guessed. No, me either,
0: so definitely needed to be expanded. So the new space has a all glass ceiling, which is 92 feet high, has more than 500 individual panels that make up the ceiling. Yeah. So the article notes that it's now as big as the iconic Vanderbilt terminal at Grand Central. Oh, yeah. And speaking of Grand Central, we saw it empty
1: for the first time back in September. We were coming back from a little day trip to Connecticut and we got back to the city a little late and it was so (laughs) incredible to see it empty. We can't wait to see Penn Station empty because I feel like it'll be pretty much the same.
0: Yeah. And by late, Ana means the last train back into the city <laughs> that night. Yeah. So, so it, it was literally empty except yeah, for us. We
1: were the only people there.
0: And also It was amazing. <laughs> you really forget these spaces in New York are so overcrowded always. Like yeah, you forget how, how big beautiful and beautiful the spaces yeah. actually are.
1: Yeah. So we're very much excited to see Penn Station before it gets overcrowded with over half a million people every day.
0: And then also something worth noting about this new station mm-hmm. is that set to open in the fall of 2020. 21, obviously assuming COVID restrictions allow for indoor dining. A new food hall is slated to open mm-hmm. featuring a lot of really popular spots from New York, including Jacob's Pickle, Magnolia Bakery, Birch Coffee, H&H Bagel, Blue Bottle, and Davies Ice Cream.
1: I know there's like a bunch of these places like all over New York, but it just feels like very Upper West Side to me, like all very. of Very. Right? Like Jacob's Pickles and like Magnolia and H&H Bagels were my favorite bagels in the Upper West. And there was so, a
0: Birch Coffee next to the Whole
1: Foods. Exactly. And since we live in the Upper West for so long. It just feels like Penn Station is going to be a little new home downtown. And we love Blue Bottle. Oh yeah, we love Blue Bottle, (laughs) the New Orleans coffee. It's so (laughs) So good. good. It's (laughs) addicting. It tastes
0: like ice cream.
1: Yes. But obviously, the main reason why we wanted to make this a story is because of the incredible art installations that are located within the hall. There are major art installations at each entryway of the station, encouraging visitors to look up and appreciate the space as well as the art.
0: Yes. So located at the 31st Street entrance is a work by Michael Elmgreen and Ingar Dragset, who are based in Berlin, and the work is titled The Hive. We actually posted a picture on our Instagram account of this work, so be sure to check that out at Curated Chatter. The work explores the relationship between art, architecture, and design through model skyscrapers. Some are real and some are fictional, and each one is actually up to nine feet tall, and they hang upside down from the ceiling. Yeah, that's crazy.
1: And then Candy Wiley's installation is located across the um, ceiling of the 33rd Street entrance. And for those of you who don't know, Candy Wiley did Obama's national or presidential portrait, which is at the National Gallery in Washington, D.C. It's so beautiful. And if you are in D.C. and have a chance to see it, I highly recommend visiting but his work at penn station is a backlit hand-painted stained glass triptych titled go and it depicts sneaker-clad break dancers who appear to float across a blue sky
0: and within the work, there's a young woman who stretches out her finger, and besides the fact it's on the ceiling, it's really yeah. a recall to the creation of Adam by Michelangelo from the Sistine Chapel. It's truly so
1: cool, and like so original, and such a great
0: idea. There's really nothing else like it in no, New York. No, exactly. And then finally, in a waiting
1: area for ticketed passengers, there's a gi- giant photographic panel um, by Canadian artist in Douglas, and the series is titled Penn Station Half Century and serves as an homage to the original Penn Station. The artist drew from archival research to recreate nine small
0: moments that occurred in the small space. What I really love just like about this collection of works as a whole is that it's honoring like old New York and then also the Hive is so futuristic. It's like these two things coming together and I feel like that's also what the new station is because it's taking the old Penn Station and modernizing it.
1: Yeah, I I love this and I'm so excited to see it. Um, We're hoping to visit soon and maybe release our visit as a YouTube video. So definitely
0: definitely stay tuned for that. Getting some footage. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Headline number two is really unique. As reported by the arts newspaper, quote, a year after fire, Museum of Chinese in America launches digital platform with Google to celebrate its historical treasures. So An and I actually both came across this article separately. So we felt like we had to discuss it here. Mm -hmm. A year ago, a fire broke out in the archives of the Museum of Chinese in America, which is abbreviated as MOCA. And this prompted an intensive effort to salvage the historical artifacts. Now, all the effort has been validated as a digital platform was launched with Google Arts and Culture. So all of the images are now digital and available for everyone for free online. And if you think about like the access that Google and the fact that this is free. Yeah, it's crazy. The new virtual exhibition is titled Trial
1: by Fire, the Race to Save 200 Years of Chinese American History. And it traces a recovery effort after the fire nearly destroyed the museum collection of more than 85,000 items on January 23rd, 2020.
0: We're going to include a link in the episode description and I really encourage everyone to go and check it out. I've really never experienced an exit exhibition just like this no
1: it's insane we were really looking at it and it's very interactive there are videos and
0: like photographs and like things zoom
1: in and zoom out so it actually makes you feel like you're almost there but not really and we've been talking about how tired we got of OVRs and things like that and like virtual events but This one is truly amazing and it's so innovative and cool that I just think it's worth looking at.
0: Yeah. And what's so cool about this is that visitors are able to explore nine rooms in the museum. So Mm -hmm. 200 images from Mocha were also made digital Yeah, and viewers are able to use Google Street View feature to like zoom in and really get a better look. Which is so crazy because you think about that when you're like on maps trying to find a restaurant, not to look at a work of art. No, exactly.
1: And what I really love about this
0: is that so often people are unable to view works
1: that they might really want to see because they're located in a place where they're unable to visit or right now people just might not feel comfortable leaving their homes because of COVID and things like that. So this just actually gives access to anyone and everyone around the world. And I wonder how this will influence our museum platforms.
0: Yeah, and going even further, the digital platform is also available for downloading on Android and iOS devices. So it literally could not be more accessible. Like if you have a cell phone, you can view this exhibit. Yes. And then another fun fact is that in October, MoCA was designated as one of America's cultural treasures in an initiative by the Ford Foundation, and they were awarded a $3 million grant to bolster its operation. So even though this is obviously so tragic that this fire broke out, so Mm -hmm. many exciting innovations have come out of it
1: yeah and i feel like it puts the museum back on the map and like a lot of people are talking about it right now it was all over the news yesterday so i just think this was in a way like good for them like not good it was just like a silver lining exactly and finally we want to mention that the actual museum proper which is located at twenty 215 Center Street here in New York, survived intact, but is currently closed in response to the coronavirus pandemic. And it's actually next to one of our favorite restaurants, (laughs) The Tiger. So maybe when it reopens, we can do a little outing to the museum and the the Tiger. For sure. some Thai food. Looking
0: forward. (laughs) Yes. Our third headline comes to us from Artnet News, where the headline reads, quote, we decode the new art Biden just installed in the Oval Office, from a bust of Cesar Chavez to a calming, child-hawesome painting. This is a fun fact, but after Biden was sworn in as the 46th president of the United States, White House staff have only five hours to finish swapping out the works of art and like Mm -hmm. other pieces of furniture in the office before the arrival of the new president. So like, imagine how crazy that is. No, I cannot imagine. It must be so stressful. I mean, for anyone like who's ever seen an art installation, you can't just hang something up. It's like a full process. No, and
1: I've seen art handlers and they get so stressed out because like they're handling these masterpieces. So it's, you don't want to break anything. Exactly. Having so little time is just probably not great. (laughs) But there are four works that are on loan from the Smithsonian's National Portrait Gallery. Two of the works were already in the White House but have been given more prominent positions within the Oval Office. First up, we have a portrait of founding father and inventor Benjamin Franklin, which many see as an an acknowledgement of Biden's reverence for science.
0: Yes, and then also a bust of Martin Luther King Jr. by the artist Charles Alston, was placed on the mantelpiece. Mm-hmm. And then two more works are being brought to the White House per the new president's request. And although it's not really public knowledge why these specific works were chosen, I think people do make assumptions and really look into it as who Biden admires.
1: Yeah, so the first of the new editions is a bronze bust of Robert F. Kennedy by the artist Robert Burks. Kennedy was a Catholic like Biden, so the article indicates this might have something to do with that selection.
0: Next up, we have a portrait bust of civil rights icon Rosa parks by artist artist lane imagine being an artist named artist <laughs> that's, <laughs> <true>. that's funny
1: <laughs> but then Biden also added uh Paul Suarez bust of the late Mexican American agricultural labor leader um, Cesar Chavez to the Oval Office on view behind his desk amid an array of family photographs and the prominent placement of the work which is on loan from the Cesar Chavez National Mon- Monument in La Paz California was seen by some as a sign of Biden's administration's attitude towards immigration it's crazy that some works are coming from so close and then some works are coming from california yeah i think it's also like so crazy how like obviously all art has a meaning but the very deliberate meaning of all the works that were selected for this and how there is actually so much to read into for these four
0: works exactly and biden also made the conscious effort to pair portraits of well-known rivals together Mm -hmm. and this people think is kind of to demonstrate how differences of opinions are yeah. expressed within the republic and like are necessary to I the agree. democracy and like yeah. that's what he's trying to do as president and i love this idea of how they're considering works of art and conversation with each other because yeah. i think we often talk about that in museums and what mm-hmm. happens there and like it's also happening yeah in the oval office.
1: I just love seeing art like truly infiltrate all aspects of life. And this is a great example of how art is not something that's just
0: in museums or um far removed. It's literally
1: within politics
0: too. Yes. And the fact that the president gets the choice to just steal art from whatever museum he wants (laughs) is like a dream. We would
1: love to do that. Yeah. What would
0: you what would be your top choices? That's so hard. (laughs) You have to give me something. I think I would like maybe like a David Hockney. I love. Yeah. Yeah. Something about LA and my New York apartment, maybe. Yeah, that's cute. What about you? I would do a basket, but Shocker. I think you need that answer. <laughs>
1: yeah, a basket for sure. And then I think I'd do something. I, I think a Psy Twombly would be so calming. Yes.
0: I don't know. Something about that, like the one they have at Kappa Masa. I feel like it would be cool to get something that you can like have to decode because yeah. you can spend so much time with Just it. Just looking at it, Yeah.
1: And then speaking of Biden, we wanted to bring up an article from The Guardian, which announced that Biden's administration revives plans to put Harriet Tubman on the 20 bill. So that's exciting.
0: Yes, and Harriet Tubman was a 19th century abolitionist and political activist who escaped slavery herself, then took part in the rescues of hundreds of enslaved people using the network of activists and safe houses known as the Underground Railroad. Yes, and in 2016,
1: Obama decided Tubman should replace Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill, leading to celebrations at an escaped slave would be honored instead of a slave owner president but the plan was blocked when Trump came into office
0: this is so exciting we cannot wait to hopefully see what the design will end up being mm-hmm. the design on the dollar bills are such a great example of how art can infiltrate into aspects of our everyday life like you don't really exactly. think about like art yeah. as the design but it is it truly is very very exciting things coming The fourth headline of the day comes to us from Art Forum, where it was reported that, quote, Italy's Castello di Rivoli Museum to serve as COVID-19 vaccination center. So located near Turin, it will open its vast galleries as a COVID-19 vaccination center, becoming the first museum in Italy to do so. The institution is partnering with the Rivoli City Health Authorities in support of Italy's organized effort to vaccinate its citizens against the virus that has to date sickened 2.3 million and killed 80,000 in the country.
1: Yes. Yeah, so the officials at Castello di Rivoli, which is part of the Savoy Ro- Royal Palace, realized that this space was the perfect vaccination site because it has 10,000 plus square feet which allows for a socially distanced waiting room, vaccination booths, and post-vaccine monitoring area. And the museum also already had climate control and thermos scanners to determine whether those entering have a fever. So it's basically just made for this.
0: And honestly, what is the most exciting part of this vaccination site is that the art was left in the gallery where people get vaccinated. So those who are getting vaccinated can look at a set of murals by Swiss contemporary artist Claudia Comte, my grandparents got vaccinated in LA Mm -hmm. and they had to drive to like the middle of nowhere and wait in line in a car. There was no
1: castle, no art. Oh, that's really sad. I have a feeling that our vaccination process will honestly not be half as glamorous. I don't think Um, so. But I think it's so interesting to see how entertainment spaces are being used for COVID purposes. Like here in New York, the vaccination centers or some of the vaccination centers are the Yankee Stadium and City Field. So yeah, also
0: in LA, people are getting
1: vaccinated at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, exactly. So it is um interesting to see like the vaccination process infiltrating other aspects of life that are not currently happening. <laughs> and it's so wild that people are
0: getting vaccinated. Yes. So something I also really liked about this headline is that the museum director said, quote, art has always helped, healed, and cured. Indeed, some of the first museums in the world were hospitals. So this is such a great point she brings up as the museum is being converted into a vaccination site. They are really repaying this favor and giving the museum a new use while most museums in Italy remain closed. Yeah, exactly.
1: I think it's a great way to put a space that's empty and has been empty for months to great use.
0: It's like a full circle moment. Yeah, maybe other museums will follow in this lead. (laughs) Maybe we can get vaccinated (laughs) at at the (laughs) (laughs) moment. Our fifth and final headline for the day comes from Artnet News where it was reported that, quote, the Centre Pompidou in Paris will close for four years as it undergoes a $243 million top-to-bottom overhaul. So France's beloved Centre Pompidou Museum will be closed for four years as part of the sweeping overhaul. The museum was completed by Renzo Piano and Richard Rogers in 1977, will be closed to the public at the end of 2023 and will remain shut down until the end of 2026.
1: Um, I love Pompidou so much and I'm so excited to see what the... The renovation will entail especially because the timeline for reopening coincides with the 50th anniversary of the museum in 2027 so it's really perfect timing
0: it feels so far away but it's not <laughs> kind of
1: scared to think about <laughs>
0: <laughs> what makes the Pompidou special is that the museum on its own is a masterpiece so its preservation is mm-hmm. just as important as that of the art that resides inside of it similar to places like the Guggenheim here in New York
1: yeah exactly and the final show will be dedicated Picasso's drawings and I actually found this very interesting because when I think of Pompidou I think more of contemporary art and things that are very like kind of crazy just because the space on its own is so crazy with like the escalators on the outside and all of that so Picasso in my mind is like not necessarily like that modern Mm -hmm. it's more like cubist and like definite things like that so I just like didn't expect this to be the last show and one of my favorite shows there was actually a Hockney show so I was expecting something more along those lines I was just surprised about Picasso.
0: I agree with that. But I also love seeing works of art in mm-hmm. environments that are not necessarily like conducive or reflective of the works. Yeah. I saw a show at the Borghese Gallery oh, in yes. Rome mm-hmm. and mixed with all these like classical works of art. They mm-hmm. had. Item on the walls. Yeah, they, yeah. And they had Picasso's like paired with mm-hmm. them. And it was just so unbelievable, like seeing the mix of the two. Yeah. No, I agree.
1: It is very cool. I just want to, like, know how they came to this decision. (laughs) (laughs) And then something that surprised me a little is that the museum has not undergone any substantial renovations since it first opened. So now they want to focus on making the museum more accessible and safe overall, which was something that they were not necessarily taking, taking into account when it first opened.
0: It's also kind of ironic that the museum is now announcing that they're closing because it's actually <laughs> been closed for almost a year due, the, due yeah, to the is. pandemic. Yeah, it is. That's so true.
1: Um, But I do think the renovations are very much needed. Like they are replacing the windows, which I think is long overdue. I don't know. If, have you been there recently? Not recently. I don't know. I feel like they kind of just like look dirty, and I'm sure they can just clean <laughs> them. But I feel like there's something about them that just like screams that they need to be replaced. Yeah. I also was reading in the article, and it says that they have to change the heating and like air conditioning systems because it's like conducive conducive to a bacteria that's like airborne right now, and like oh, we that's don't need more of that.
0: <laughs> that's very scary. Yeah. So, and as some museums close, others are reopening. The art newspaper announced that the Arkansas Art Center in Little Rock, Arkansas is reopening in the spring of 2022 as the Arkansas Museum of Fine Arts.
1: Yeah, I think they underwent a $142 million renovation, which is crazy. But Arkansas has a special place in our hearts and in our podcast because one of our best friends is from there. So we really can't wait for this to reopen so that we can visit.
0: It will be a reason for us to go to To Arkansas. Arkansas. (laughs) We're very excited for that. New experiences. (laughs) So finally, we want to close out our episode with an emerging news story. Artnet shared that, quote, a museum in the Himalayas has a solution for the tons of trash climbers leave on Mount Everest, turn it into art. So in 2019, the government of Nepal announced that as a result of a 45 day cleanup project, 24,200 pounds of garbage including plastic bottles cans food wrappings equipment batteries and this is kind of gross but human waste oh god were brought down from the mountain and there are all these things that the people who climb Mount Everest have left behind I don't know why this was so
1: shocking to me I just like don't understand why people leave their trash up there
0: like they're I like, guess it gets think
1: think really heavy post
0: to bring it no they for sure
1: are I think it's like wrong to just leave your trash up in a like mountain
0: yeah, it's I don't know really gross. but as
1: part of efforts to clean up the mountains in the Himalayan Museum and Sustainable Park has organized an initiative to find environmental solutions for this
0: issue the first step is the proposed creation of a place for upcycling practices to turn trash into treasure those in charge say they hope to employ local and foreign artists to create artworks out of the trash and then sell them back to tourists um, and the plan is to
1: have a soft opening for the center which will include an art gallery for locals this is happening this in the spring so we're excited to follow on this story and look forward to hopefully being able to see the art that is created as a result.
0: I love this. It's so crazy to me. I would never climb a mountain.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't surprise
0: me. (laughs) I just don't think I made for it.
1: Um, I'm just so surprised by this trash thing and also what kind of artist just wants to work with trash <laughs> like I get like
0: I, it's kind of like an assemblage like making no, things out
1: of found objects I'm sorry right? but the, the headline or the articles brings up human waste
0: so, <laughs> I, so like, I hope that's excluded <laughs>
1: I, I have so many thoughts on this I'm very excited to see where the story goes I
0: think it's really interesting no for sure it's, it's just very confusing I would say maybe we'll visit, but I don't think we're,
1: (laughs) I don't think that's happening. I don't see that for us. Um, Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in. We're so excited for next week's Monday Chatter Check-in and we're so excited to be back after our little
0: winter break. Yes. And final reminder, please follow us on Instagram at Curated Chatter. Bye. Thank you.